0: Social justice means applying the law equally to all people. But in practice, that doesn't always happen. I'm John Gonzalez. I'm here at my law partner, Jack DeRora. We practice law. We seek social justice. On this show, we reveal the conflict between the two.
1: You know, for a while, it was just us in the office over a cup of coffee talking about the news of the day. With social justice issues dominating our culture, our focus became how do we as lawyers make a difference?
0: And now it's not just us. Today, it's just us, Jack. Uh, We're going to talk about the prevalence of lying in our society. Have you ever heard the saying, a fellow who says he's never told a lie, just told one? No, I haven't, but I'm sure it's true. I think it is, too. So, you know, I guess we start with the premise that uh, to some extent we are all liars. Sure. Um, But as an attorney, uh, my first interest was, is lying protected under the Constitution? Meaning, is it a First Amendment issue or do we have a, a free speech right to lie? And sure enough, we do. Have you ever heard of the uh, Alvarez case? I have not. Well, apparently, (laughs) Xavier Alvarez was an undisputed liar. He lied about everything. Related to
1: George Santos.
0: Very much so, it sounds like. Yeah. But uh, when he got (laughs) in trouble is that he uh, lied about winning the Congressional Medal of Honor. Ooh. That lie was a violation of what was at the time the Stolen Valor Act, which made it a crime to make false claims about receiving military medals. And that case went all the way to the Supreme Court of the United States. And And if you read the decision, it's very, very illuminating about how the justices view free speech. But they viewed uh, that the government cannot stop people from lying about their military records or anything else for that matter. One of the interesting things that the decision, came out of the decision was that the um, justices asked, what value is there in a lie as far as free speech? You know, why are we protecting it? What kind of value is a lie? And one of the justices said, well, take Nazi Germany. Okay. Are you hiding Jews? value in that lie. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And so they went back and forth, but ultimately uh, found that, um, yeah, that uh, Alvarez had a free speech right in lying. So, um, you know, there are different kinds of lies, it seems to me, and the court was making that that point. Um, uh, The first lie that I think is Kind of the one that's probably the hardest to justify is the uh, lie of commission, meaning um, uh, making a flat-out untrue statement. Oftentimes, those are hard to justify.
1: You know, I'm glad you started off that way because I've thought about this, and I think there are actually two two types of lies, that is, intentionally making a false statement. And maybe that's redundant because if you're not intending to deceive, there is no lie. But I I think the first one is what I call the self-preservation lie. And we see that all the time. That's, I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Bill Clinton. Mm -hmm. I did not bet on baseball, Pete Rose. I did not take performance-enhancing drugs, Lance Armstrong, right? Those are self-preservation. And I hate to say it. I think most human beings are spring-loaded to that position because it is, as I've said, self-preservation. I don't mean to justify it. And by the way, here's my advice for people who get asked the really tough question, like, did you have sex with that woman? The best thing you can say is, I don't want to talk about that. Now, everybody will know (laughs) that you've been caught red-handed, but they'll never accuse you of lying, which is what got everybody so angry, at Pete Rose.
0: Well, and as attorneys, uh, we relish the, ex- it, we relish exposing lies in the courtroom. Oh, sure. Um, one of the things that I taught in my um, trial ad class was how to impeach a witness. And the best impeachment is with a deposition, a deposition or statements that the witness has made. That's then are inconsistent. And um, I had a, a kind of a standard, Um, discussion that I would use with my jury at the end, which was, you know, ladies and gentlemen, I'm the attorney here. It's not my role to call anybody a liar. It's not my role to determine if anybody is lying to you. That's your role. But I would tell you this, if somebody says something that's false one time, and I point it out to you, maybe that's a mistake. Two times, Mm I'm a pretty forgiven person, so maybe I'm still giving them the benefit of the doubt. But by the third time, I think we have to start, you know, thinking that maybe this person isn't truthful. And certainly by the fourth and fifth time, like Mr. Smith on the stand, I would find it hard to believe um, in anything he says. But again, that's your decision, ladies and gentlemen. So you don't call him a liar, but I think that that the more times somebody lies... The harder it is to forgive them, so to speak, even if, like you say, it's self-preservation.
1: Yeah, and I don't mean mm-hmm. to justify the self-preservation, but
0: it is part of the human condition. I hate to say. Then there's these lies of uh, omission. Mm. I just don't say anything that gives you the wrong impression. Those are probably a little bit more to a uh, little bit more difficult to. Um, uh, one identify and, and then judge uh, there could be a misunderstanding there usually is not a duty on somebody to respond to anything and so um, you know a, a non-response often you know it, it just it really is is usually not relevant um, and then I also see the the lies about a person's character meaning they're they're Lying to enhance themselves, and maybe we would say embellishing to enhance themselves. But you think of the resumes and stuff like that. So um, I was having some fun with this on the internet, and let me see if you remember some of these classic um, um, historical lies. Uh, Millie Vanilli. Do you remember oh, that? Oh my goodness,
1: the two gents who were lip syncing all the time.
0: Well, apparently, um, and I do remember this back in the day. They were um, supposedly singing live, and then the soundtrack skipped, which everybody then realized that they weren't. Um, More recently, Jesse Smollett, the uh, Empire, former Empire star, um, he reported getting attacked during a hate crime outside of his Chicago apartment. Um, It was a a big, big deal. And then a month later, uh, reportedly, that he had uh, made the whole thing up. Uh, for some reason. Um, I also remember Brian Williams, who I actually liked listening to on the news, he had this whole story about how he was riding in a helicopter and suffered RPG fire, forcing an emergency landing. Right. Nobody could figure out which helicopter he was in because nobody else remembered that. Um, So um, I also saw that this celebrity chef, Robert Irvine, lied about designing Prince Charles and Princess Diana's wedding cake. don't
1: seriously and he didn't design it
0: apparently he was in the uh kitchen when it was being made was about as close as he got to it was the story i read so but you know there have been
1: significant lies in the world theater i don't know most people may not remember it but lg or lg Lyndon Bain Johnson, when he was president, created the fiction regarding the Gulf of Tonkin, saying a destroyer had been attacked. And that was the predicate act that got us involved in Vietnam. And then we had the great lie. I hate to call it a lie because Colin Powell said it. I think he later regretted saying it. But that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction, when in reality there was really no evidence of that so this kind of falsification takes place at the highest levels possible that's why it's something to really be wary
0: of it's it's and it's hard to um i guess get to the bottom of, of why people uh do it i mean you, you think about the weapons of mass destruction obviously there was an agenda somewhere mm-hmm. but how does a guy like colin powell get caught up in that um somebody was feeding him false information. He didn't look into it far enough. You, you wonder how it got to that level. I got
1: a feeling, I get the feeling, and I can't say this with certainty, that he got rolled on that. He was talked into that position. I don't think, and if anybody can prove me wrong, I'm happy to listen, I don't think he purposefully set out to deceive. I think he was deceived, but he took responsibility for it and talked about how he regretted making the statement.
0: How about George O'Leary? Do you remember that name? I don't. You're a uh, former Notre Dame person. I am. Uh, He was a coach for five days at Notre Dame, and he had uh, lied about uh, having a master's degree and being a football legend in college. Uh, He didn't have the degree, and he never played a game in college. Uh, He was promptly fired. I think he's still in coaching, though, Um, you know, um, uh, somewhere. There were also... um, I saw um, uh, more resume uh, people that lied. Uh, Joe Biden, believe it or not. What did he lie about? In 1987, um, he ran for president. And during his campaign, a video showed Biden claiming he had finished in the top half of his class at Syracuse University College of Law. In reality, he graduated 76th out of 85. Oh, so he just got
1: the words wrong. He was in a certain half. It was just the bottom half. (laughs) Okay, here's another one. This was really sad. This was about 20 years ago, the Chief of Naval Operations. So this is a four-star admiral. He somewhere claimed that he had received an award for service in Vietnam, maybe combat service. I can't exactly remember what it was, but it wasn't true. And he committed suicide. I remember hearing that on the news. I just about fell off my chair because he was a well-liked individual. But think about what went on with this man. He creates this falsehood in his military record. And then he takes his own life. And I can't remember his name, but I'm certain it happened.
0: And, you know, I I know know. we're going back on, you know, maybe lies that were more important from an historical perspective than others. But you think about the lying about cigarettes and how many people relied upon that and ultimately died from cigarette smoking. Um, I saw something where uh, there was um, that the cigarette smoking was no more addictive than coffee, tea, or Twinkies and uh, ended up, you know, um, hundreds of thousands of people have died from cigarettes.
1: Well, all the things we're talking about fall into the category of lying to achieve some purpose. LBJ needed the Gulf of Tonkin story to justify the war. George W. Bush needed weapons of mass destruction to justify going into Iraq. And we're seeing this. I mean, those are somewhat isolated, but now we're seeing it on a regular level with politics. And I like to point to DeSantis for, I think, taking the lead here. And here's what I mean. He keeps talking about woke and CRT, critical race theory, as bad things, as destructive. Well, they're only destructive if you don't want to face the reality that they point to, which is systemic racism. But he talks about them as if they in themselves are divisive. Well, they're not, but he's created this aura about these words, and he's thriving based on that. And, and that's really bothersome.
0: It is to me too, but it's, um, I look at it a little bit differently, and you know, you think about, um, again, from a legal perspective, the law of defamation. If I have an opinion about you, I'm allowed to express that. Sure. If I tell a false fact about you, I could be liable. Sure. So when I think of something like um, DeSantis' position on you know, critical race theory. To me, he has an opinion that differs from me, but I don't, I'm not reaching the level where he's lying about it. You know, I I question his motives about bringing up critical race theory, and I always think that the only reason a lot of these politicians have a position on an issue is to garner votes, and certainly he's targeting a certain demographic to vote for him. But I'm not ready to call him a liar about it because I really don't know underlying his opinion. And I'll I'll contrast that with Fox News. You know, Fox News is is has now been exposed to putting up falsehoods on its its um, programming and knowing they were false intentionally putting people on and then in the background saying these people have no credibility they have no facts but we're going to put them on anyway uh, i haven't seen that yet with desantis we may never have that with with politicians as far as the backroom discussions about their position as to why it, you know um but um I, I have my doubts that he's sincere about critical race theory
1: I'm willing to make the inference that you're not. Yes. That he is lying. And here's why. Because he's surrounded by people who know what sells. Those folks know that the average listener will listen to the sound bites and assume it's all true. And if they have any predilection for a conservative trend they're going to bite on. He's purposefully luring people in on a falsehood because he knows that emotional tug that works so well for the average person. Most of us place, make decisions emotionally. Very few people go beyond the emotional ring and say, wait a minute, let's think about what's really going on. So for those reasons... I make the inference with a lot of confidence that he darn well knows what he's doing.
0: I think it helps me get to where you're going with respect to him and some of the other politicians like a Ted Cruz. Oh, these are very, very well educated people. Right. I mean, Harvard, Yale. I mean, they've been through programs where, you know, we know they're not dummies. Um, and I do think that it's a conscious effort on their part to either, um, you know, misrepresent the concept and then uh, simplify it to, to to get a certain um, a result. But then you look at somebody like uh, George Santos. What are his lies getting him? It, it, it's almost um, pathological for him. He just lies with no real reason as to why lying I, I think he's in a whole separate category well unfortunately though people voted him in, into office and so you you look at this guy thinking is is he just taking what we're talking about to a, a the new level that's never been seen is he you know uh, lowered the bar so much um, he lied about where he went to high school where he went to college that he worked on Wall Street. He lied about a charity that he funded. Uh, he was talking about his mother's uh, death was related to 9 11, although I saw somewhere she died about 15 years after that. Um, you know, he uh, lied about his grandmother being a Holocaust victim. Uh, just. He lied about being a Jew and said he was Jewish. It, it just. It, it, <laughs> you, you look at this and you think, Why? Well, he's in a different category, I I really think. What what category is he in from from a DeSantis or a Ted Cruz? Oh, I think... Other than he's supersized. I
1: I think Santos has some kind of affliction. I don't think he has any sense of what's right and what's wrong. Whereas I think DeSantis operates purposefully in telling a lie for a specific goal. Santos just has no clue, which which is why I think you use the word pathological. Mm-hmm. No sense of social norms or moral norms, period.
0: So where do you put our um, former President Trump, then? Is he more on the f- intentional misrepresentation and lying like a DeSantis, or is he more of a pathological of a, of a Santos, or is he a mix of the two?
1: You know, I put him as a mix of the two in, in what makes his also unique all so unique is the fact that he can't ever f- see himself as losing and so as to so as to protect that sense of ego that he has he has to create all these other lies to protect this facade that he has
0: i think there's a lot of psychological issues going on with with uh, former president trump but it, it, as far as his lying there are some that are so easily disproven that, again, you go back to the Santos that he, he just he, it, it's it's a it's a, a medical issue or psychological issue with them. For example, um, I was reading about Trump lies on the Internet and um, it was seemed to be a fairly well balanced article like, is this really a lie or is this more of a boast or or whatever, but uh, they said one of the first lies he did was that it didn't rain during his inauguration. (laughs) (laughs) Or it was the largest crowd ever. Or that it was the largest crowd ever, and the lies just came one after another. The ones that, you know, and at the time, it really, to me personally, didn't matter. I mean, I obviously watched it. I knew it was raining, drizzling, whatever you want to say it was. Um, it didn't matter to me. Well, I'm not that caught up in it. But when he started in on a lot of things, but it really started to uh, coalesce during the um, the pandemic. I mean, he just could not seem to get it straight. It'd be over in a couple of months. You know, they had a handle on it, um, was equivalent to the flu. It was disappearing when the president of the United States is lying to citizens that I guess respect and trust him, they start to act in accordance with his lies and that was very, very harmful.
1: Oh yeah. But let, let's remember he's, he's really um, the most colorful example. But as, as we've said as we've already discussed, you know, it's happened before for national government figures to lie. And I think what's important to remember is they're lying to promote some thing that they think is essential. You're chuckling right now. Well, I'm
0: chuckling because the, the one that stood out for me with Trump that is just kind of the most ridiculous thing is he, um, he said that he was um, once named Michigan's man of the year. And... Um, of course, he never lived in Michigan. Why would he be Michigan Man of the Year? Who knows? Uh, apparently he wasn't. He invented that. Sure he did. <laughs> I just thought, but he, he, he said it for the first time at a Michigan rally. So I don't know what he was thinking and who appointed a Michigan Man of the Year. Maybe somebody did in Michigan. that It's a different Michigan Man of the Year than the official one, uh, but it's it's... Just strikingly stupid, too. And, and I, I have this argument with members of my family that are a lot further to the right than I am. Why would you want somebody like that running the country? Oh, well, that, that's a whole other discussion for a whole other
1: podcast. <laughs> and as much as I like to talk badly about Trump, I'd like to get to other aspects of lying because he's really sort of, I don't want to say the outlier, but the rare example of lying. I'd like to talk about how it's become part and parcel of politics in general. And it—it it, it is almost as, as natural a position as what I called the, the preservation line. You know, did you have sex with that woman? Oh, of course I didn't. I think it's just as common, and it's, it's now just an accepted tactic. And, and here are some examples. I don't know if you remember, way back in February of 21, we had that tremendous blizzard in the southern part of the U.S., and it knocked out a significant part of the Texas power grid, which is, a, I didn't realize until then, separate and apart from the rest of the U.S. power grid. Well, you know, millions of Texas Texans are without juice. Greg Abbott says, this is because of green energy. Now, green energy had nothing to do with the power grid, but politics in Texas are to foster fossil fuel. They want nothing to do with renewable energy. So he's making a statement and he makes it right away. That's crazy. It is... If we talked in street parlance, we would say Greg Abbott was just talking out
0: of his ass. Hey, there's no basis for that. There isn't, and there's no consequence to it. Right. I mean, that's if there was a consequence, the politicians would be a lot more cautious. Um, I think that um, it goes back to the, this concept that, especially in political speech, there's hardly any restrictions on what you can say or do. Um, even when I was running for judge, if, if somebody had an issue with, um, a comment that another judge was saying or promoting on TV or whatever, it would go to the ethics commission and nothing would happen. They might tell you to stop it, but if you didn't, right, it wasn't like you were going to be barred from being elected or thrown out of office. Um, I, 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 but I go back to this. If we all lie to some extent, so, you know, it's not that nobody is free from this condition, condition, and then you have people that lie all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, where is the needle? Where where is it acceptable? Uh, At what point? I I read a poll that says that Americans tell an average of seven lies per day in January. It's the it's the month where the average lies are the most. The rest of the months, it's down to four. <laughs> <laughs> Who keeps track of this stuff? <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, uh, I guess it has something to do with um, your New Year's resolutions yeah. and stuff. But yeah. uh, but, you know, so so people are lying pretty consistently Um which tells me that then we can accept lies from other people since we know we're doing it ourselves. It's kind of hard to hold you up to a standard where we don't hold ourselves.
1: Well, I, I, I'm having a tough time with what you just said. Let, let's assume there's some baseline of acceptable lying,
0: mm-hmm. which is
1: really a terrible thing to say, <laughs> but I think it's, it's hard to escape considering the human condition none of this kind of stuff that we're talking about rises to the level of what we were talking about five minutes ago. I mean, it's, it's, it's journeyman lying. You know, it's pedestrian <laughs> lying. You
0: know? It's not the professional lying.
1: It's not like, Hey, uh, our ship in the Gulf of Tonkin was attacked. We need to put troops in. I mean, it's yeah. just not on the same level.
0: Mm-hmm. It's, and, it's,
1: and, and I'll bet those lies that we're talking about go back to myself, my, uh, the title I created, preservation lies, yeah. as opposed to really trying to gain a position. That's the stuff that's really dangerous.
0: I also think that when we're talking about, I love your, your term, base, baseline lying, um, I'm not sure that that should apply when we're talking about people that have a position of trust. You don't oh. expect your lawyer to lie to you. You don't expect anybody with a fiduciary oh. responsibility to lie under any circumstance. It would never be appropriate for us to lie to a client. Correct. Uh, it would never be appropriate, appropriate for us to lie to a judge.
1: I'm I'm chuckling because I'm thinking of being before the Bar Association, and my defense would be— It was just baseline lying. (laughs) It wasn't all that
0: serious. It's, you know, so have you ever been in a position though where you know, obviously you and I would never lie to a client. It wouldn't be worth the the fallout of that uh, uh, in and of itself, other than we just aren't that type of, uh, of people in general. But clients lie to us all the time. They either don't give us enough information or they just tell us something that's not true. Um, Have you ever been sitting in court and the other side is impeaching your client (laughs) with things that you've never heard of until they're coming out in court?
1: I can't say I've ever been really struck with anything that knocked me off my chair. It must have happened to some degree, though.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, in the um, personal injury field, Mm -hmm. when you've got a client that's been hurt... And say they're you know middle age. Um, they usually say that you know I've never hurt my back before, mm-hmm. or I've never hurt my oh, neck yeah. before. Sure. And then <laughs> during trial, the five accidents that they had over the last ten years before this one come out in succession oh. through the attorney and. You know, let me tell you what. Trying to sit there and act like this is not bothering you is <laughs> is, is its own. You know, uh, get an Academy Award for that. Uh, I've been in that position too many times um, where I tell my clients, "Listen, you're going to get asked if you've ever hurt that body part before. I want you to be totally honest if you have. And part of being honest, maybe I don't recall, but if you've heard it and you've had treatment," No jury is going to believe you don't recall. Um, So I don't want to be surprised in trial that I'm hearing something for the first time. You know, let's deal with it now. Um, But, yeah, it's just those those positions of trust. And would you put politicians in that or not? That position of trust that they should not be lying to us. Oh, for for the love of God. Absolutely. But they're they.
1: Absolutely, but
0: they're not there. Well, let me give you an example. Uh, It was widely reported that Biden decided he was not going to negotiate on the debt ceiling. Right. Right. And then he negotiated on the debt ceiling. Of course he did. Was he lying?
1: Oh, I don't know if he was lying so much as circumstances changed and he had to change his position.
0: All right. Do you ever go into a negotiation with a posturing that you know isn't true, but you're... Certainly trying to sell it to the other side to oh. get a better position.
1: Oh, that's a really good question. And by the way, that reminds me of an old lawyer story. There was a lawyer named, I don't know if he's around anymore, but this was like 20 years ago. His name was Lou Goebbels, I think. Wonderful lawyer. And somebody says, hey, Lou, can you lie in settlement talks? And Lou says, no, you cannot. But you can package the facts attractively. <laughs>
0: Well, that, that yeah, that's exactly the point. Is it a lie or is it just posturing? Because you, we all know in negotiations that there's a lot of posturing that goes oh, on. Oh, sure. And, you know, I sit there with my clients who don't have a lot of sophistication often. Mm-hmm. And, and in negotiations, don't have a lot of experience. And I'm like, don't worry about that. This is early on in the process. Yeah, that position's going to change. They're, mm. they're just, you know, and we're doing the same thing to them. We're making them think that X is the most important thing to us when we really want B. Right. So, you sure. know, um, uh, again, uh, it's, a, it, it's not really a struggle, but even in negotiations, You know, you and I as attorneys, our credibility is important. And when we leave the negotiations, our credibility needs to be intact because we're going to see these other lawyers again. And so I never feel comfortable. And I've told clients that, you know, I'm not going to lie on your behalf to another lawyer. I just I can't do that and it doesn't help you even if I did. I I find Mm. the toughest
1: point to confront is if you're in court And, you know, you're really not sure about something. You have a hunch, but you're not sure. It's tempting to want to state that hunch as a fact as opposed to, well, here's what I understand. I'm not sure. Because we have within us, you know, that drive to win. We don't like losing. And it's easy to cross that line in the heat of the moment.
0: I think it is. And um, some of the other... um, uh, Polls that I read or, or or studies say that people are very terrible at detecting other people lying. As much as we think we can do it, it's it's just bad. Well, I We're think bad you, at it.
1: I think you and I are good examples because you're telling me that I must have lied to you four times every month <laughs> for the last fifteen years, and you've never said anything.
0: No, did I tell you I like that shirt you're wearing today? <laughs> Well, what what I find interesting about that is that as lawyers, we try to uh, size up the sure. the other side's clients. We try to decide if, mm-hmm. if they're lying to us. And uh, and to me, it really doesn't. This is going to sound bad. I think to to non-lawyers, it doesn't matter to me if that person is a liar or not. If they if I can show the jury hmm. that they're not credible, sure is more important. And a lot of people just come off bad, right? They may be honest, but they just don't look like they're being honest. And sure. you ever read, leave a deposition, go to yourself, nobody's going to believe that person, sure. you know, under any circumstance. Um, I did, uh, uh, find one study interesting that liars use smaller words in the, the psychological, um, uh, underpinnings of that is is when you're lying you're using more brain power so it's harder to come up with a more articulate word so he ended up using very small simple words so we'll have to look out for that in our in our next depositions (laughs) that's a great way
1: you know i I want to turn the conversation ever so slightly to i think the close cousin of lying which is coming up with a statement whether you think it's right or, or whether you're reasonably certain of it or not And Greg Abbott in the Power Grid is a great example. But there are lots of others, and and they're a close cousin because you're still trying to influence somebody, and now you're not intentionally lying, but you're speaking about something that you really aren't sure about, and in the process, you're convincing people. Now remember when the Silicon Valley Bank went under a few months ago? Somebody in some article that I wrote, read, excuse me, read, not wrote, said, well, this was because Silicon Valley Bank was spending too much time on DEI, diversity, equity, which I guess means if the bank had been run by all old white guys, we wouldn't have had a problem. But somebody thought that was worth saying. Mike Curtin, remember Mike Curtin, the former dispatch editor? Sure, yeah. He wrote an op-ed. This was really kind of cute. He's writing an article about a state representative by the name of Bob Peterson. And Bob Peterson is all up in arms about the fact that the word Iraq is used in the Ohio Constitution 32 times. And he attributes that to something bad going on. And he says, what does that word, why is that word in our Constitution? <laughs> well, Mike Curtin says, well, it's in there because of appropriations for military victims. If you served in Iraq, you got about $1,000 as a stipend for your service. Well, I double-checked. I mean, I actually went to the Constitution, and it's there. But here's somebody spouting off about something he knows nothing of, or as we say in street parlance, forgive me, talking out of his ass. And, you know, it's interesting let me take a little sidestep here. There's a fellow who's got a podcast named Ryan Holiday. And Ryan is an author. He's a youngster. He's like 35. And he writes about stoicism. And he says, you know, if you're a stoic, you don't offer an opinion if you don't know with certainty. It's okay to say, I don't know. And we're not inclined to do that. People spout all kinds of opinions without knowing what they're talking about. And then from there, is the next step lying? I don't know, but there are plenty of people talking about things they don't
0: understand. I Hmm. um, often will say to my wife or my kids if they ask me, I really don't have an opinion on that. And I'm pretty sure I don't hear that from anybody else. Oh, I'm pretty sure you don't. Yeah, and I'll... Rarely, but every once in a while I will tell somebody, I do have an opinion, but I'm just not interested in sharing that with you. Because, you know, I don't think that we're all, um, uh, that you, how do I say this, that everyone's entitled to my opinion. (laughs) Are you making fun of the fact that I've said that about the book that I wrote?
1: (laughs) Yes. Okay, thank you.
0: (laughs) What do you think about the, uh, the commercials where the actor gets up there and says, I'm an actor. And, you know, how can you tell if I'm telling you the truth? And then they drink a, I don't know what it is, a Pepsi or some pop. And they say, ah, that's good. And then they turn to the camera and say, or is it? <laughs> <laughs> I think about that because um, a lot of what we see out there is acting in, in the sense that it's it's a lie and people are acting like it's the truth. And they're doing a damn good job doing it. Sure. Um, and I read an article that said, "How do you separate truth from fiction?" Was was basically I don't think that was the um, the the title of it, but that was the gist of it. And it said, "Well, you have to work at it. You can't really just accept mm, it." on face value, you got to be curious. You got to be curious and you have to you have to work at it. I mean, when we used to have three uh, TV stations in town and Walter Cronkite was the person to listen to and everybody believed everything he said, uh, it was probably a little bit easier to separate fact from fiction. But now when you have thousands of outlets where you're getting your information, um, I think it's more difficult. And when I talk to younger people, Uh, about this issue. And I think they're, they're very concerned about it. It's, it's tough. You got to go out and you got to find it for yourself. Um, well, you gotta, you gotta work at it. You really do. I probably read each day from 10 to 15 different news feeds. Sure. I I don't get a lot of my news from the TV. I, I read a lot of my news. Um, But, you know, it seems to me if you're seeing the same information a dozen times, then I've got a little more comfort level. If I haven't seen it at all, uh, my wife was telling me, TikTok was reporting that in two days the Russians will hack into our electric grid, so we need to be prepared to be without power. I said, well, that's interesting because I've been sitting here for an hour reading the news and I haven't seen anything anywhere on that. So... Um, but yeah, I think you do have to be, uh, you know, uh, diligent in your search.
1: I think you also have to be a skeptic. So when you read something and it sounds crazy, you got to see if other people are reporting the same thing. know, the other thing is, let's go back to the political world, because I think this is instructive in terms of why lying is bad. And uh, one of the National opinion writers named Michael Gershon wrote about this years ago. I can't remember what year, but he was talking about civility. And I think civility and, and truth-telling are in the same pocket, so to speak, in terms of their importance. He said civility is important in order to maintain the relationship. If you are always bashing your opponent personally, you're not giving any importance to the relationship in the relationship can be harmed. I mean, just think of the disagreements you have with Anne, right? You're not attacking her because that harms the marriage. So you try to stick to the facts, work out a resolution. But politicians, as they lie and promote so many different things that aren't true, they forget, or maybe they don't care, they're really harming the union that exist. They're really fomenting dissent and a divisiveness that hurts the nation. And, and that's one reason in and of itself not to lie.
0: I don't mean to make um, fun of that because I think you're exactly right in, in, in that point is well taken. The only um, counter to that is when I get with, together with my brother, who I've told you that uh, is a very, very staunch mega- Mm -hmm. Um, Republican Mm -hmm. in Florida, Mm -hmm. loves DeSantis. Mm -hmm. The only reason he doesn't want DeSantis to be president is he wants him to remain as governor. Um, Well, that's good. Keep him down there. (laughs) So we have a little ritual when I go to see him is we pull out beer, drinks, shots, Mm -hmm. whatever we decide. Mm -hmm. And we argue politics until we're both drunk. Mm -hmm. And I hate to say it, Jack, but it does... (laughs) it eases the pain that you're of the moment now it it delves into some personality oh some personal attacks that we have so much fun doing to each other you'll attack each other inebriated but not sober yeah yeah, oh that's okay yeah well we'll make fun of each other Ah. um and we actually have a ball doing it and you know we love each other dearly and well that's um, fun but no I agree harm. with you that when we are talking about something serious, you would never do that. You'd never make it personal because you, you, your point's
1: lost. Well, that's what the politicians mm-hmm. yeah. are doing. They are they making are. it personal. And they're and the. I think the ironic thing about DeSantis, he says that he's trying to rid the nation of what's divisive. He's doing just the opposite. Sure,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Anyway, that's where I am on all that.
0: I hear you. Well, nice discussion. I do like your new haircut and your shirt. Thank you. Or do I? <laughs> <laughs> That's my four lies for the today. <laughs> All right.
1: I want to thank WOSU and our sound engineer, Kevin Petrella. We'll be back in a few weeks with another important social justice issue. If you like what you've heard, tell a friend. We want this show to be more than just us. Until then, so long.